Sequel Cast 2 and Friends is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hi, this is Matt Bradley Shergi with Sequel Cast 2 and Friends. We have a very special episode today. We have an interview with Joe Scott. He's the host of the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Harry Knowles and Ain't It Cool News. Joe, welcome to Sequel Cast 2 and Friends. Hey, glad to be here, Matt. Sure. Um, I mean, I first heard about your podcast. It just happened to show up as a recommendation in the algorithm in the Apple Podcast app when it went live. And I, I reached out pretty early on and saying how much I liked it. And it just reminded me of how different the internet was in the 90s. Yeah, it was a it was a very different space. And I think one of the things our show is trying to address is the fact that I feel like the history of the internet is sort of in a perilous space because it can be unwritten and it can be erased. And I just wanted to capture chunks of that in audio form so that um, it was there for people to examine and consider uh, in the future. Right. Even, I mean, your thing's a podcast, but even like the history of podcasting is something where a lot of episodes don't exist anymore, even through things like archive.org. It's uh, to say nothing of web pages and uh, yeah. computer software and games and all that stuff it's uh i mean think about how big flash was right you had all those cartoons and now uh it's not allowed for security reasons and it's not uh, typically archived that well i mean it's a whole some people got to games because of that professionally some people i don't know like there is weird cartoons that came on after september 11th on the internet like it was yeah yeah i remember some of those reaction cartoons you know just crazy stuff where you know like Characters like the Teletubbies were getting revenge for 9-11 on Osama yes. bin Laden. Just Ugh. crazy time. You know, and there's a Flash animation attached to the work that I'm doing. And I have 100% recalled everything that happened in it and the way it looked and sounded. But you're absolutely right. Uh, Flash animation is gone. It's been erased. And, you know, that that's archives of work, of ideas, of concepts. Uh, you know, and, and we like to think that from a sociological perspective that we are one of the most recorded generations of all time, but there are, there are huge chunks of that recording that uh, did not get backed up. <laughs> and and I gone. do wonder if, if you're the man now dog is still, I mean, that was a big one at the time. I haven't thought about this in years, these are new grounds or any of that stuff, but um, yeah, but in, anyhow, your podcast is about in cool news. And I think what I appreciate about it, it's about like the rise and the downfall and it did some good and some, bad but um looking back on it I, I was just browsing what the website looks like now i haven't been there in uh, quite some time um and i think uh, frankly harry got off pretty easy the website still exists it still has the the dumb sitting in the rain gifts in the corner of his cartoon version uh i don't know if he's making money from the website i assume he is even though he's not really writing on it anymore he's still on twitter like i don't know of any if there are any lawsuits, they were settled. It didn't seem to be something as public as the uh, uh, Devin Faraci stuff. Um, um, it was from Chud and then later did uh, the birth movie's death, I think was the, the website became. Yeah, you know, I think that it's, I don't want to spoil anything in the later parts of my story, sure. but I will say that, you know, it's a very complicated matter. And, you know, you could say Harry got off easy because he's, you know, his website is still running. He's still on there, but, you know, he never posts on there anymore. Um, he can almost never take a step out into most digital spaces like Twitter mm. and not just be savaged in the comments. So it's it's 
it's a toss up, you know, and I think the biggest piece and one of the things we'll get into and one of the things that I don't mind spoiling right now is that um, there needs to be an apology. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a, a real significant one. And um, that's uh, that hasn't happened yet. And that, that's all I can really say about it right now. That, that's a great point. And at some point an apology, it, while an apology doesn't make up for uh, one's actions, it's at least an admission that they did something wrong and are looking to change. I think really the only thing that can make up for mistakes is is an apology. You know, and, and that's not to yeah, say that yeah. someone you've wronged has to accept the apology, but to make yourself right in the world, you need to just, you need to apologize. And there's actually a great podcast by a, a colleague of mine. Her name is uh, Lux Alptram. And I say colleague, and that's only because I know her. I mm -hmm. don't, you know, we're not friends necessarily, but right. I've spent some time reading her work and, you know, we've interacted a few times in real life and on the internet. And she made this podcast called You Need to Make an Apology. And it, it's mm. a, it's a whole series about the importance of apologizing and what makes an apology real versus insincere. And, you know, I, I think one of the problems we have is that so many apologies that people make, whether it's companies or individuals, are kind of backhanded and they're not sincere and they don't admit fault. And, you know, they, they come out and then the person continues to engage in the same behavior, which makes the apology worthless. And um, you know, sure. I, it, I, it, it does get yeah. me to thinking, I mean, I'm thinking of something that was quite some time before the, the internet became popular, but you had the, the scandal with um, Paul Rubens who played Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. Who, um, you know, he was, he uh, allegedly was in a theater, uh, in a porno theater jerking off, which, um, I mean, I, I haven't been in one of those theaters. I don't really, it just because he hosted a kid show, I think. And he, he, refused to do the kind of at the time it, you would have gone on oprah you would have gone on i don't know sally jesse Raphael. you would have done the uh the, the daytime talk shows at the time to do an apology tour of sorts and yeah and he, and he never did that and it it certainly hurt his career i'm not sure if he had done it it would have helped his career i think that but uh nevertheless there was a you know netflix did another Wee herman movie and he's in stuff from time to time and i think what he did is pretty uh, if he did it, is pretty mild compared to um, the, the the groping and the other, uh, you know, the other hairy knoll stuff. It's well, it it's, wasn't an unconsensual behavior, and in fact, yes, well, that's well, why people went to adult movie theaters. Uh, we're mm -hmm. kind of going way yes. off the rails here, but what I what I will say is that you know, um, it's uh, probably an incident that would have never occurred had he had his career's highs uh, during the advent of the internet. You know, the internet kind of made uh, adult movie theaters irrelevant because of the advent of adult websites, but... Um, True, uh, adult websites and, and content streaming yeah. for, for free or with ads, streaming for free with ads more or less. But, but anyhow, it, you know, back on the yeah. Apple News topic, um, did you ever write anything for the site or you were just a reader of it? I was just a reader of the yeah. site, you know, and... And that's the thing is in writing about the site. Now, one of, one of the perceptions I have to come up against is that the site was either a all hairy or B 
all hairy and a bunch of bad writing. And there was a lot of bad writing on the site. Like he would take mm-hmm. anyone's content, whether it was, if it was newsworthy and just post it on the page. Like he wasn't really discerning about what to put on the page versus what not to. And so he would put a lot of really bad writing on the page, but there were some very talented, accomplished writers who worked for that site. And, you know, that was one of the things I really wanted to do, especially in the rise part of the rise and fall story was highlight the work of people like Drew McWeeny and, and Jeremy Smith and this mysterious writer that we talk about uh, named Alexandra DuPont and how, you know, they wrote really compelling content. There's also writers who went on to do amazing things. You know, you had Patton Oswalt secretly writing uh, for the site under the name Neil Cumston. And then uh, you also had a writer named Ghost Boy who became, who went on to direct movies like um, Pete's Dragon and uh, The Green Knight. And, you know, these are people who did significant things outside of Ain't It Cool News. And so I, I think to say they were all bad writers is, is false and, and just grossly unfair. Coming soon to HyperX.com, HP.com, and more fine retailers, the HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. The Cloud Alpha Wireless gets up to 300 hours of battery life, so you spend less time charging your headset and more time charging into the action. The dual-chamber drivers enhanced by premium DTS Headphone X Spatial Audio provide reduced distortion, allowing you to hear audio cues with pinpoint precision. Up to 300 hours of battery, two chambers, zero wires. The new HyperX Cloud Alpha Wireless. Right, and uh, it does, you know, around the time In It Cool became popular, you also had South Park become a, a phenomenon mm-hmm. on Comedy Central. And I think people watched South Park and didn't necessarily get the satire. They thought, oh, to be funny, I just have to be edgy and rude. And I could see kind of a correlation between that and In It Cool News. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, uh, you know, South Park kind of started out and it was a very sort of simplistic kind of just gross out, silly, goofy show, but then it kind of evolved over time. And, you know, you, you take the character, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas mm. poo, and you could say, well, this is stupid. This is like a piece of poop wearing a Santa hat. But, you know, the piece of poop wearing a Santa hat also rep- represents the gross commercialization of uh, Christmas and the holidays and just the bullshit we put up with during that time of the year. And uh, so it, it's both a stupid statement, but then, Buried within, buried within it, no pun intended, there, there are kernels of brilliance and, and great ideas happening. Yeah, I was in a, a high school when that show first came out. I think actually it came out right before my freshman year started. Jesus, forever, 96. Wow. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they had a few music CDs early on and one was a Christmas album. And I had it playing when my grandma was over and I hadn't listened to it. We just unwrapped it. And it gets to the song about, you know, what if Mary did such and such and was still a virgin? I just quickly turn it off because she was quite uh, <laughs> Catholic and religious uh-huh. and so forth. But it was. I, uh, you know, one of the things that we sh- talked about in the show is how one of the people who worked for Ain't It Cool News went on to work with the writing team on South Park. You know, the, the shows are written by Matt and Trey, mm-hmm. but um, they have a team of writers who sort of spitball ideas and help to workshop and punch up the jokes and he was part of that crew his name was kevin beagle and um yeah so the connection is real certainly um so you look at film criticism at the time of ain't it cool and you look at it now i mean that it was before youtube so much had to be in writing 
Mm -hmm. I wonder if video had been, you had real player video at the time, and it was pretty crude. Um, I wonder, <laughs> I'm a bit surprised if at the time they would have done video content, or maybe not, because the whole secrecy thing, it was such a big deal as you go into on the show. And as we, we talked about that infamous Blade 2 review, I think you talked in the latest episode, when I heard the dramatic reenactment of having like something like the nose on the fun button or, or something, I just cringed and flashed back 20 plus years. So it's. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah, a reason that, that a... reviews infamous. Yeah. But you know, at the time it came out, it wasn't, I mean, it, people talked about it and they're like, wow, that's insane. That's totally crazy. But I think that, sort of the fog of misogyny was still so dense that that no one stopped to take a look for a second and say hey uh that was really gross you shouldn't have written that and put it on your website and i'm a, i'm trying to think like you didn't have probably the most mainstream example of satire against inequal news at the time was in the Kevin Smith film, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, where there's a website called Movie Poop Shoot. Yes. That Kevin Smith made into an actual site, and one of the writers for that was Jeffrey Wells with the Hollywood Elsewhere. Are you familiar with his work? Yeah, yeah. He is another very... It's uh, own, his own... His polarizing. own... Polarizing. I wouldn't even say polarizing. I'd say yeah. most people agree that he is uh he was not a good thing for film discourse. But um Jeffrey Wells did work with the movie Poop Shoot in real life. But um, you know, Kevin Smith has a very interesting relationship with this culture because I think he was in in a lot of ways, clerks, the movie Clerks was the first podcast. You know, it was a movie. Yes. Yeah. Two two white guys sitting in a room talking about Star Wars. And, you know, I think that uh, I think that he spent a lot of time on the early Internet. You know, one of his biggest early controversies was when he went out and trashed the movie Magnolia for being too long and pretentious. You know, and you could look at the careers of Paul Thomas Anderson and the career of, of Kevin Smith. And I, I like both people and appreciate their work, but one of them prevailed in the end. And one of them as a filmmaker did not necessarily on the same level. And Kevin Smith, I think one of the things that really hurt Kevin Smith is that he's starting to get savaged in the comments and he, you know, he still does this today. He just doesn't know how to roll with it. And it's really tough. Like people say hateful mean shit and it affects him on a personal level, but at the same time, how can it not? Like he very recently came out with this piece on Twitter. You know, he had a take that they should have nominated the new Spider-Man film for best picture at the Oscars and right. people, people were saying they wished that his heart attack had killed him. And that clearly shook him. It clearly hurt his feelings. And, you know, on one part of you, you want to say, man, just ignore it. It's the fucking internet. That's how it is. But then the other thing is like, there is a level of discourse on the internet that is abusive, that is emotionally violent. And we all kind of just roll on with it. We accept it. We, you know, nothing is done to stop it, address it, to call it out. Like, people just say horrible shit. Explode When Defeated presents something really neat and full of meat. Those children aren't going to protect themselves in a brand new podcast series about everyone's favorite giant reptile. Godzilla? No, we already did that one. Rodan? No, nope, uh, we did that one too. Gorgo? Gamera. 
We're talking about Gamera. From turtles to medieval samurai golems on our new series, Demolition Die. Only on the HyperX Podcast Network. Video Death Loop is the show where we watch a short video clip on loop until we just can't take it anymore. Along the way, we'll try our best to make each other laugh and to hold out longer than the other guy. Come in on any episode. Video Death Loop, new episodes every Friday. It's time to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. The stunning HyperX Quadcast S features dynamic, customizable RGB lighting, a convenient tap to mute sensor, and four selectable polar patterns. So we can broadcast crystal clear audio, whether you're gaming, streaming, podcasting, or impressing your remote colleagues and classmates. So what are you waiting for? Join the Quad Squad and tap in today with the HyperX Quadcast S microphone. Sort of what I'm working on right now, what we're coming out with is the ways Ain't It Cool News sort of nurtured and defined that abusive, hateful behavior that uh, that is normalized. And, you know, it kind of grew out from Ain't It Cool News's comment section and it exploded onto Twitter, you know, where that's just how people behave. Sure. And Kevin Smith, um, repeatedly in his career, he'll always like, write back or fight back or push uh even against film critics you had oh was it it wasn't peter travers gee he's oh he used to be on joe siegel i think uh yeah about standing up walking out of clerks too and that was a big kerfuffle between the two of them i think he had the one on the podcast and it, it's just very awkward to listen to i was listening to that the other day um but uh, looking it, it's just really uh, a shame that I mean I think one of the worst things about social media and I I, I use Twitter way too much uh, but I'll cop to that, that yeah. is that it's faceless you it's so much easy to write what you want when you're just basically kind of texting in public is, is what it's like yeah and you know it's... as opposed to if you saw that person in in, in person would you say that stuff like probably not probably not probably not you know i i think the other problem with twitter aside from being uh faceless is that it's often contextless you yes. have a very limited amount of space to write and so you write the details of someone's life the details of things they did the th- details of things they said and you just leave out the context and then people take this contextless piece of information and then, you know, they create their own and they call it takes, you know, and I think yeah. that's right because it takes things. It doesn't really make anything. And it people just run in a variety of different ways with these takes that, again, just continue to strip and restrip away that context until something's just broken down to simple binaries. And, and uh, that's just not the human experience. It's, it's very unfair. That even goes to kind of going back to the, the and it cool news, the headlines. It's basically a predicted what would happen with uh, how almost every YouTube video has a, as their headline. Everything is either the best ever or it, uh, like fucked your mom or whatever. Right? It's like the worst. A lot of exclamation points. A lot, a lot of, of exclamation caps. points. A lot of uh, cap capital letters. 
lot yes. of it's it's just bananas i would hope people you do have stuff with nuance on youtube and you do have good critics online but it also i'm not sure it's like the internet gives a venue for people to think that everything they say matters when frankly it really doesn't yeah i i think the internet also gives a way for multi-billion dollar companies to take people's life's work for free yes you know, You'll look at people. I mean, if you go on Twitter, everyone's account says how many tweets they've written. And so if you find someone that has 60,000 tweets, that means, and I did the math very recently, they pissed away several novels worth of writing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or free, you know, and you're, you're giving your best thoughts. And, and more important than that, too, is like, so you've been writing 60,000 tweets. Then you try to write a book or an essay. And because you've been writing just, these little short missives um, for years and years, like your ability to create a train of thought that builds leads to paragraphs and ideas and yes. essays and scripts um, is severely damaged. And you've got to fight to get that back. You've got to fight to not only get back your context, but to create context for anything that you write about because it's been taken from you. Sure. I think on a more positive note, kind of with the internet and smartphones in particular, a lot of people have smartphones and uh, they have, you know, basically a, a camera and a video camera in their pocket and they can at least call people on their shit more and make it so less people can get away with stuff. Um, specifically, you know, whether celebrities doing something crazy or it's just people doing bad behavior. And I think that's something positive about it. It is. For sure. And, you know, honestly, you look at Black Lives Matter and yes, sure. The overall the overall end result of everyone having cameras is that we've been able to capture a lot of police brutality. The death of George Floyd was very much. Very much dealt with and addressed because of the Internet and because of smartphones, because if someone hadn't recorded that police officer, Derek Chauvin, uh, standing on his neck for eight minutes and change, um, mm -hmm. you know, we probably would have ignored it. You know, and I remember growing up before before the Internet, and before social media, and, you know, you'd listen to a lot of of old school rap music where they were talking about how the police were a bunch of assholes who treat people like shit. And, you know, they were, they were committing acts of police brutality and. You know, it was not uncommon for people to respond like, man, they're just blowing that out of proportion. Police aren't like that. Police are nice. They're the helpful do-gooders. And, you know, it, I think that that is one good that has come from the Internet is that we've got to sort of see the real face of American racism. And to the point where you can't deny it, there are some people who still deny it. There are some people who look at these uh, these acts of brutality and, and try to rationalize it still even when it's staring at them in their faces but most rational people now are, are forced to say hey this is a serious problem and yeah we've got to uh, make this a better world we've got to stop co-signing this bullshit right now exactly i was um i haven't quite finished the epi the latest uh, comments episode you did you do kind of these like bonus episodes with feedback but that someone uh, criticized the podcast, uh, your uh, rise and fall of Harry Knowles and Ain't It For Moves to download podcast 
uh, about its wokeness or yeah. about trying to have i just on the one hand i i wasn't surprised on the other hand it's just like if people complain about having making things political i feel everything inherently is political and mm-hmm. if you're really going to dig deep you have to make some connections otherwise what do you want from a podcast this was a website <laughs> it had articles he wrote about this he said this he's like you could do that you could also i mean just read it yourself i'm not sure what that person once like maybe have that person make a podcast if that's what they feel like like maybe improve well, success but yeah you know i'm in a very precarious place because i created this podcast that focuses on some of the positives of ain't it cool news and it also focuses on a lot of the negative things about ain't it cool news and you know there's people who wanted this to be a 100 percent ain't it cool news sucks podcast like basically where right. i just come out I start with the blade to review and talk about it all being terrible. And that's the podcast. And, you know, I certainly invite someone to make that show if they want to. Um, at the same time, you know, there was people who I think they listened to me talk about how there were some interesting uh, things that happened with the site and, you know, they, they found comfort in that. But then when I started talking about the, influence and enablement of white male privilege and misogyny and and Mm -hmm. toxic male nerd rage. Um, You know, it reminded me of a quote someone said where um, it's only, only the fish that you take out of water that knows that it's wet. And, you know, they'd been, I think fish just swimming in that water. And so when you say statements like that, suddenly they're getting burned by the oxygen from being taken out of their water and saying, oh, this is a whole other way to look at this. And I, I don't want to tell the story of Ain't It Cool News that doesn't explore those themes because, you know, Harry wrote the Blade 2 review and we, Harry wrote the Blade 2 review in large part because of the way the world we live in was built and the rules that enabled that review to be written and to stay on that page from 2002 to 2022, 20 years. And really to not, to not get called out really in any meaningful way until the mid 2010s. And that's, that's just the world we lived in. You have to acknowledge it. You can't ignore it. Sure. It's. So I'm, I was uh, thinking back to a a chat we had um, earlier on, on Twitter and yeah I had I, I had a piece on Anticle News and I was a kid I was like 19 years old I just started college and I had read the site pretty much since I first started being on the internet like 94 so I'd been in there you know five years in the in the dark ages when animated backgrounds on a website was a new thing <laughs> uh, using hey, so cool. navigator uh, yeah <laughs> the twinkling stars or the, the <laughs> hopping Mario graphics or whatever and so um having something in Anticle News meant a lot for me but it also was i never felt compelled to submit anything else and now with all the stuff that's happened i feel some shame over that on the other hand like it was what it was and it's of its time it wasn't even much of a review it was like i I went to a press screening for this college newspaper at georgia state university of uh oh john mctiernan uh, rollerball the remake of that with chris pine (laughs) and 
there was a already a review on Inical News about an R-rated version with like nudity and stuff. And the version I saw was the PG-13 cut, which is what released in theaters. Of course, later on DVD, they did the unrated version. Um, and the movie bombed anyway. But my review wasn't even a review. It just was a kind of listing things I assume they did to make it a PG-13 rating. Like very amateurish. And they just put it up there. And it shows like they would pretty much put up everything, but I did get a personal email from Drew McWeeny just wanting to know what my little nickname was. And stupidly, I chose uh, the, na uh, the name at the front of the email I used at the time. So it was like nothing movie related at all. So, um, but, but there you go. I mean, to be like, ooh, I was one of his spies, but I had no involvement and it wasn't even much of a, I mean, because it was in Atlanta, I think I happened to be at some of the same screenings that Chud people were, because they were based out of Atlanta as well. Yeah. Yeah, they, and they have a lot of screenings in Atlanta. They still do. Like, that's still a major hub for critic screenings. It's a major uh, media market in Atlanta. You know, they, you can sort of tell how big or important your media market is uh, based on whether or not uh, they buy ads for movies or TV shows on billboards, yep. you know? And that that's definitely a billboard town, so... Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you bring up a great point because you, you wrote this review and you sent it to them and you had a nickname. And I think in some people's idea, in some people's imaginations, there was this bullpen of writers all working together in the same right. physical room. But, you know, this was, this was Zoom uh, virtual office culture before people were doing that out of necessity through the pandemic. And, you know, I think people like, you know, they want to like, when all these allegations about Harry came out, people wanted to fry the nuts of every single person who wrote for the site, not realizing that most people never, who worked for Anticle News, never met Harry Knowles in person. And if they did meet Harry Knowles in person, even if they lived in Austin, they saw him very few times. They saw him surrounded by a bunch of people. Um, this wasn't a situation where everyone just was around each other. So in you talk about things that Harry did in his real life. Most of the people who worked for Anticle News did not know about that. And, you know, I, I, I want you to know that I don't think that you were necessarily complicit in anything that he did. You know, at the same time, in a virtual sense, though, one of the things that happened is Harry Knowles got outed. And it became like that movie King Kong, where everyone got in their planes and started flying around and taking shots. Yeah, but but no one wanted to consider the one thing no one wanted to consider is maybe they were the people who captured Kong and brought him in from Skull Island. No one wanted to imagine that they were the people who put Kong on the stage and, and you know, came to the theater to watch him. You know, no one wants to take that responsibility. You know, and I'm not saying that it's a terrible thing, but it's just realizing your role in that dynamic so not so that you know you can necessarily punish yourself, but that so that we can prevent these things from happening again, you know. Right, and not be. No one is truly, especially social media. You're you're not like a passive uh, observer of. Um, not at all. Online entertainment. You know, how much? How much misogyny do we see every day, and racism did we see, especially in the early internet? And as white people, we said nothing about it. You know yeah it i mean i i mainly grew up in in the atlanta area so and you it saw wasn't it until, not only online 
I, I saw it in person a lot, but also I didn't realize how much of it I saw until um, I got kicked out of my mom's basement, basically, and lived with my uncle, and, and I've been here in Portland, Oregon for like 16 years or something. Wow. It, it takes getting away from there and thinking about stuff people said, just a lot of microaggressions and stuff in real life um, to see stuff that at the time, oh, that you think it's normal behavior, but it takes some time just physically getting away from there and, and getting older and wiser, thinking about these things. Uh, so yeah. as we wrap this up, allegedly we're talking about your guest, the rise and fall of your Knowles and Ain't It Cool News. Um, I'm wondering... Do you plan to do like other seasons and other topics or? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I feel like it's been fun to watch film Twitter sort of react to this as sort of a definitive statement on cinema culture as if that's all this podcast is about, but the podcast is about the internet and what it does to our culture, what it does to our species. And um you know, I think that this was an interesting way to explore how the internet changed movie culture, journalism, um, also just the way we interact with each other in online spaces. But um, I want to shift to other topics in the future. The other thing I'll say too is if you know of a crazy story from the early internet that you want uh, explored, I would be interested in uh, hearing that and uh, working with you. So if anyone's listening and they've got interesting ideas about the internet i would love to hear that absolutely yeah and now um i'll pass that around to my uh group of people my podcast network and part of the hyper x podcast network awesome they, yeah uh, hyper x makes um headsets but they uh but it's it's kind of like video games and movies and kind of pop culture stuff but i'm sure we have uh some some people that might know of some deep dive topics uh, the one that that comes off the top of my head is sort of the something awful was a website that inadvertently birthed um what was it, like 4chan and 8chan and all that stuff which is yeah. its own minefield and that have um, you read that book yet no no what's the book uh there's a book called it came from something awful written by dale Barron. okay and i'll, I'll have to check it, that out yeah it's you know uh one of the pieces that really inspired my work, you know, that's why I want to call it out. And uh, he will actually appear in a later episode of my show, the writer, Dale Barron, but you know, he, he gets into it with that site and how it shaped a lot of the discourse that enabled Trump to kind of stealthily from out of nowhere, win the 2016 election, mm -hmm. you know, sort of driven by meme culture and by just internet toxic male nerd rage and um you know like he gets into it there and I, something awful the history intersects with ain't it cool news in a, in a couple of ways um one one of which we will explore later but yeah that that site I, even now interesting things are happening from that site it, it's not necessarily something i'm <laughs> soup i would be super pumped to explore because it is kind of scary <laughs> you know Sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, that is uh, that is a great case of an internet of this a website that came out of nowhere and it gave a voice to people who some of whom went on to do uh, some really bad things that are affecting us right now. Right now, you know, you look at all these four chan chuckle fucks just out there, you know, being gloriously deplorable individuals, and that that's where they came from. Something awful. 
Yeah, I mean, it even, oh, what, this is a, a reach, but there's these, uh, like Square Enix re-released these Final Fantasy video games, and there's been all these translations over the years. One of them had a Something Awful reference, because one of the translators was, was part of the Something Awful group, and it still survives in, like, this latest version they came out with this past year. Yeah, no, you know, and that's, that's the thing, is when things cross over. Right, you know, and, and what? It's like taking a deep sea monster and bringing it to the surface and you know in reality the lack of water pressure causes them to disintegrate but in in this online virtual world like they survive and they rampage certainly it's uh oh we're a little bit over time sorry about that but yeah thanks so much for for coming on um where can people get your show oh so you can find our show at a couple places um you know, you can always visit our website at download pod. That's download with a W pod is in podcast.com. Um, we're also on the social media spaces uh, with that's with that name to at download pod. So um, check us out and, you know, listen to our show. Let's do it with an open mind. Um, don't necessarily approach the story with the lens that we have now of the site, because, you know, this store, this website existed for, almost 27 years, which is actually, you know, pretty significant in website years, like most websites that were created in the early nineties, they're all gone. They're all, uh, they're not even, they're not even online. They're offline. They're done. They're shuttered completely. And it, it's still there. So um, I wanted to explore why it is still there, but then also the things that the horrible things that happen. So just be open-minded about it. And, um, uh, I think I can take anyone from any knowledge level and surprise them with at least a couple of interesting facts. So. Great. Well, um, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this on short notice. Absolutely. Um, thanks for, thanks for inviting me, Matt. And, you know, I've said it before when you, when you were talking to me on Twitter, but thank you for listening to my show and listening to it with an open mind, you know, and, and letting, sure. letting the story kind of tell itself. Um, thanks for giving me the space to, you know, give some context to things that had no context at all. Oh, oh, you're welcome. Um, I, I can't imagine the hellscape that is your DMs. Uh, right uh, now. It's, <laughs> it's or, not so great. Uh, I, or emails people, or whatnot, whatever people use these days. Yeah, it's there, yeah. There, I, there I, are people I, who don't like it when I use the word white male. I'll say I, that. I'll see the sky.